That's What She Said with Sarah Spain is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, present The VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Goldenwude, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. They'll give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's The VC Show. Listen where you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Interviews with actors, comedians, athletes, neuroscientists, authors, anybody I find interesting. We talk about their careers, successes, failures, and how they ended up here talking to me. I think I asked some pretty darn good questions, but don't take it from me. Just ask star of screen and stage, Nick Offerman. It's a great question. It's, a, it's a, an astute question. Um, gosh, that's a good question. That's a great question. Gosh, uh, that, that's a great question. That is a great question. This has been a litany of great questions. I was right <laughs> to, agree, to agree to this. Hi, I'm Sarah Spain, and my dilemma is that I had to share a stage with Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent, a superstar rocker who has been described as the most fashionable woman in music, who's dated the hottest of the hot. I'm talking Kristen Stewart, Cara Delevingne, David Byrne, a woman who oozes cool with every step, every word, every breath. And I'm someone who just two days before the interview was wearing a fake beard and chest hair while impersonating Aaron Rodgers on the Halloween Around the Horn episode. To quote a man named Sam Fells on Twitter, I'd still like an explanation on how a doofus like you is going to be on stage with Annie Clark. Me too. Well, folks, without having a solution to this dilemma, other than the all-healing cool powers of a black leather jacket that I wore, I did it. This doofus got on stage and interviewed her, and we hit it off. We did. We laughed. We made inappropriate jokes. We said the F word and talked about sex and drugs way more than were allowed for a Disney-sanctioned event. Um... I already loved St. Vincent, but she accepted my doofus ass, so now I love her even more. That's what she said. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. I am on a high coming off the ESPNW Women in Sports Summit this year at the beautiful, gorgeous, serene Ojai Valley Inn in California. Um, Incredible resort. The conversations were elucidative and funny and interesting. The networking was insane. And the dance parties uh, featuring DJ Spinderella, formerly of uh, salt and Peppa, and DJ Elixir, who is uh, L. Duncan with a MacBook. Uh, so much fun. So much fun. Uh, I had a rap battle with Becky Hammond on Regulate. I uh, performed Shoop with L. I watched a whole crew do the Cuffet dance. Um, I tried to help people not fall off a table as they danced on the table. Um, and I saw Monica McNutt do an interpretive dance with a tablecloth. Uh, The place was lit. It was so much fun. Um, You will not be able to watch the dance parties unless footage is released, but you can watch all the panels and conversations at ESPNWSummit.com. Also, some of my highlights and things I found uh, most interesting will be featured on next week's podcast. Uh, But today, this pod is dedicated to my new best friend in my mind, Annie Clark, a.k.a. St. Vincent. Uh, You will hear her incredible bona fides as I introduced her live on stage in Ojai and set up what ended up being a hilarious, smart, thoughtful, fascinating combo. 
And I'll admit, I wasn't sure what I was going to get with Annie because she's mysterious and unique and artistic and kind of weird seeming. Um, And last year I got to interview Sarah McLaughlin, which was incredible, but pretty straightforward. And I wasn't super nervous. Um, But this year I I just wasn't sure if Annie would open up um, and shed some of those rock star layers and let me get beyond those kind of famous personas and archetypes that she embodies for her music and her live performances and, and just be relatable And boy, were those worries unfounded. She, first of all, was right at home in this space full of athletes and sports fans. And she was hilarious and relatable and so, so funny. Here's just a little bit of proof. So um, after the interview, she did a gorgeous live performance. And here's a quick story she told about a Daughters and Divas basketball game that she uh, played in with her niece. I hurt hurt my my wrist um, recently. And I don't say that as some sort of like cop out that performers do where they're like, I'm really sick. I hope it, I, but I want to tell you that I hurt my wrist playing um, basketball with 11 year olds. And there was a game and it was called um, Divas and Daughters, which, I mean, I think we kind of all object to that name to be like, it's a, the premise is specious to begin with, but um, but it was for 11-year-old girls and their uh, mothers or aunts. In this case, I have to be, happen to be an aunt. aunt. And um, so anyway, we start playing this game. There are rules, right? There's the um, no full court press, right? There's the... Uh, only adults can guard adults, and only children can guard children, right? That makes sense. And on each possession, like, the child has to shoot first, right? You can't just in, you know. Um, so, great. Love it. Love rules. So I start playing, and there's a, a mother from the other team who is setting full picks on the children. And I see her throw her hip out to trip my niece. She is not abiding by the no full court press rule. She is creating jump balls with children and she's shooting first. So, um, Me as a reasonable adult, I see this. I recognize the injustice. I start to get angry. And I'm guarding her. And I go up for a rebound. And I f***ing elbow her in the face. But besides that, but beyond that, but besides that, I I lost my cool. And I think you guys know, like, I mean, I don't know how much trash talk is like a part of the game or what, but I tell this mother of three to get your hands off me. (laughs) And I was ejected from the game. So. But I felt like I could share that story safely here. And her form was bullshit. Hero. Hero. 
I mean, now that you heard that, you know you're going to love her, right? So here's the full interview. Enjoy. That's what she said. <laughs> Let's get to tonight's amazing interview, amazing performance. I'm already so excited for this. I just saw her at Innings Fest a couple of months ago, and I know she's absolutely going to crush it. But more than that, she is fascinating. Uh, Annie Clark is the real name of the woman behind St. Vincent. She has released six solo records. She's a three-time Grammy Award winner. She sings, she plays guitar, bass, piano, organ, and more. She was a member of the psychedelic pop band Polyphonic Spree before her solo career. She recorded an album with Talking Heads leader David Byrne, was a member of Suff Jan Stevens' touring band. She's collaborated with everyone from Taylor Swift to Paul McCartney to Bon Iver. She fronted Nirvana for Lithium when they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She's filled in as the band leader for Late Night with Seth Meyers. She has a film directorial debut on the women-directed anthology Horror XX. She co-wrote and starred in the psychological thriller The Nowhere Inn. You've seen her on Portlandia. She's got a capsule collection with Gantz. She fronted a Tiffany campaign. She's got her own master class. And she's got more in front of her. And that includes tonight when we get to talk to her, the incredible Annie Clark, AKA St. Vincent. Oh my gosh, I mean, I had to whittle it down. Your Wikipedia is long and presumably mostly correct. I feel like my mother edits it. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad my mom doesn't know what my Wikipedia says. I have to check in every once in a while and erase stuff. Uh, all good. Let's get to your growing up because I'm fascinated by your incredible, singular, super unique career. And I don't know that I would have placed you as a born in Tulsa, raised in Dallas gal and as an athlete growing up. So tell us about your sports background first. Absolutely. So yes, I was born in Tulsa and lived there till I was eight. And I mean, it's just sports is what we did. Yeah. Like there wasn't a question. It was like, you are playing soccer. And then when I moved to Texas, I kept on going, played basketball. I played volleyball. Right. I was a point guard. No big deal. No big deal. Um, Where's Becky Hammond? You want to take her on? She might still be around. No, I do not. <laughs> um, I played all the sports, track and field. It was just, I mean, in Texas, there is a very big sports culture. Um, but also, we were, you know, really encouraged to just be competitive and athletic. Yeah. And you're still a sports fan, but we don't have to talk about your NBA team because it's not going great. Everyone already knows who we're talking about. Well, actually, there's two options, really. Uh, the one that didn't just fire Steve Nash. Oops. Uh, the one that's setting records for three-point futility. Uh, we don't need to talk about them. Um, you got a red plastic guitar from Target for Christmas when you were just five. You also had some family members in the music biz. So this sort of helped facilitate the transition from sports to really diving into music and writing. So can you talk about some of your early influences? Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time I heard Jimi Hendrix, I was like, ah, I'm a goner. Is it. <laughs> um, but yeah, my aunt and uncle are a jazz duo called Tuck and Patty. So I knew that guitar and guitar playing was something you could sort of do. It was elusive still, but you could do it for a living. So I was like, oh, I want to do that, you know? And I uh, I was obsessed with basketball and, and football. I was pretty good QB, no big deal. But, um, <laughs> but when I started playing guitar when I was 12, just that became my complete and total obsession. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, musically, who else were you listening to? And did you try to write like them when you were young? Or were you instantly like, I want to think outside the box? Um, I, I mean, I have so many favorites, you know. Uh, I think my early years were like the early 90s. So we're oh, talking like, like prime. Yeah. I feel lucky. That was a good. Yeah. That was a that was a golden era. I do. Yeah. I do think. Um. So you know, you're talking Nirvana, you're talking Pearl Jam, uh, mm -hmm. you're talking Soundgarden, you're talking like a you're lot of. You're talking all of our favorites. Yeah. yeah. So all <laughs> these all these bands where you know guitar was really a forefront of the music, and I think if I had been born in another time, I might have just been like, well, I have a laptop, and that's what I do. You know, right. you, we are a product of our. Right, you would be crushing Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you went on to go to Berkeley College of Music in Boston, a very traditional path for musicians, a really excellent school, but you left there before graduating. And you said of that choice, I think that with music school and art school or school in any form, there has to be some system of grading and measurement. The things that they can teach you are quantifiable. All that is good and has its place. At some point, you have to learn all you can and then forget everything that you learned in order to start actually making music. That seems to jive really well with your unique perspective towards songwriting and creating. Can you tell us more about kind of that moment in your life? Sure. Well, I mean, like all schools, when I went into Berkeley, there was a grading system. There was a, how do you, how do you say? Uh, uh, how you say grading? I think, um, like a, yeah, they gave you a grade on on what you did and maybe it felt like a more ephemeral like a than that or... Oh, audition. Or, and, well, an audition, but an audition where they... Is this they the $10,000 pyramid or $100,000? No, I'm so how sorry. Many, how many thousands are in it? <laughs> um, but they, they, you do this audition, and then you get a score from okay. you know, yeah. 1 to 10, right? And I went in with twos, and Whoa. I left with twos. Oh, no. Because I was just, uh, you know, there's so much more to, to being an artist and, and being a creative that that while having the skills and sort of the know-how and know the rules is very helpful, you have to unlearn everything like that to, to really forge your own path. So that's kind of why I left. Yeah. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You ended up going back and living with your parents for a bit. And it was around that time, hey, haven't we all? I might be doing it soon. You never know what's going to come next. Um, 
you end up with this theatrical, artistic choral rock band called Polyphonic Spree. How many people in here remember them with the robes and all of the instruments and the... I remember being so moved by their performances because there was more to it than just the music. That wasn't just a good, great job that was affirming to you. That really came at the right time. That came at the right time. So I had dropped out of college. I moved to New York, which I don't know if you guys know, but it's very expensive. <laughs> and Heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I moved back in with my parents with my tail between my legs. And um, I was lost, actually, for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, I was like, I have this dream, but I don't know if I'm going to get there. Which you know, to, I'm sure as you guys all know, as great athletes and makers, it's like, you have to have this uh, unreasonable amount of confidence mm -hmm. that what you what you do is going to work out, right? You're like, yeah, of course, I'm going to be in the WNBA, <laughs> like, period, Duh. full stop. So um, that's what I had with music. But then it kind of didn't pan out exactly how I thought it would or when I thought it would but within two months no two weeks sorry of moving back to Dallas with my parents I um had a friend who was like hey the polyphonic spree's looking for a guitar player you want to try out and I was like hell yeah so I go to guitar center <laughs> I buy a bunch of guitar pedals that I'd never used and didn't know what they did and I learned all the songs and I show up at the tryout and after the tryout, the lead singer's like, hey, Anna, you got a passport? I said, yes. He goes, you're going to Europe. So Amazing. I was on tour, you know, a week later. It's just that easy. It's, you just yeah. go to Guitar Center. It's just that easy, yes. I'm. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Guitar Center. <laughs> um, that's incredible. Okay, so now you're touring with a band in Europe and you're living the life you had dreamed of, at least musically making a living, which yeah. is a start. Um, you become a solo artist after a number of other steps and you become St. Vincent. And I want to start by talking about actually the most recent album, 2021's Daddy's Home. Um, it explores a topic that you had previously not wanted to necessarily discuss. It had been talked about without really your consent and you had sort of let it sit and then you decided for this album you wanted to open up and that's your father's decade in prison for financial crimes you wanted to address it in this and i wonder how that subject matter and that decision to be opening up about that time period not only informed the music but the time period that inspired the sort of persona the the costumes everything that came on daddy's home yeah i mean art's a strange thing right because you have these instincts to do to go down a path and, and only in hindsight do you really know why. Um, and I think in some really bizarre kind of mystical way, songs are prophetic. In my experience, if I write a song that, you know, is imaginary, hasn't really happened, it kind of ends up happening in, in my life. And I'm not particularly woo-woo or anything like that, whatever. We're in Ojai though, so it's okay. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> my crystal shop is just yeah. down. It's open when the moon's aligned. Yeah. <laughs> Which is rare. Um, no, so, but I, for some reason, you know, I, my father was really the one who introduced me to a lot of great music and music that I have loved forever, right? So, and it's the music of the 70s. I mean, it's music, it's Stevie Wonder. Mm. Um, it's, you guys have heard of him. Yeah, he's good. 
Stevie, we're talking Stevie Wonder, Steely Dan, Fly in the, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. I mean, just like the shit that grooves. Like it's yes. just, it's yeah. real. And so, um, and it's real players like playing mm-hmm. in a room. And it's, so anyway, I, I decide uh, somewhere along the line to make a record called Daddy's Home that is sort of an homage to a lot of the music that he introduced me to but also is this kind of traces the arc of my own kind of uh, coming into my power and kind of like the roles reverse. You guys know if you have parents, suddenly you're like, you're the parent and they're Mm -hmm. the child. So, you know, so in this way, it was like, I'm going from a kind of candy darling, um, Jenna Rollins and woman under the influence kind of, character into like i'm daddy now oh okay so yeah you've talked about that transition on the album is it it you become the daddy yourself i got bills i got bills <laughs> we'll get right back to the interview but first you gonna learn today the word of the week is vote from the mid 15th century formal expression of one's wish or choice with regard to a proposal candidate etc from the Latin votum, a vow, wish, promise to a god, solemn pledge, or dedication. Vote. So in a sentence, it feels like every other election ad I see is fear-mongering based on disinformation. So today, on election day, vote your values, not your fears. Now let's get back to the interview. Also, you mentioned when people really could play and your onstage performances, your live performances on this most recent tour have been much more collaborative. It's really a conversation between you and the musicians as opposed to a, a solo St. Vincent with a backing band. Is that informed by the music? Definitely. I mean, the music of that time, it's, it's loose. Like, I always think of the vibe of that record or that time as like, sitting back into a very comfortable leather chair and you've got like whatever your drink of choice mound of coke oh not <laughs> oh sorry not, just me uh, not for me but sarah yes yeah. you yeah. yeah yeah just rails and rails rails hoover it up sarah <laughs> but um <laughs> but you know just like you're just like leaning back yeah and you got a little debt and you're just it's comfortable and you and you are able to kind of walk into the world and like live in it in a very easy way and that doesn't mean it it's without depth or double entendre or all right. kinds of things but it's it's kind of a little smooth. psychedelic yeah. smooth world to walk into i mean you feel it on the album so much and also in the persona you take on and um i want to get into that because one of the best parts of for me as a fan of yours is the personas you take on for the album and how the visuals and the onstage performance and the costumes all pair with the music. And this is her description. This is not mine. I won't take credit for these. So Strange Mercy, your persona was housewife on pills. St. Vincent was near future cult leader. Mass seduction was a dominatrix at the mental institution. And this one, Daddy's Home, Gina Rollins in a Cassavetes film. So when you're imagining those archetypes and writing the music and creating, how does that, which comes first in terms of the music and the performance style? I mean, to me, the music always comes first. And I just kind of let it emerge and, you know, figure out what it is that I'm trying to say or create. Because honestly, I don't know about you guys, but... I, 
half the time I walk around the world and I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I think. And it's only really when I'm able to make something that I go, oh, yeah, mm. that's what's going on inside me. That's that's what's happening. So I let the music I lead, let the music lead the way. And then um, certain themes kind of emerge. And then it just it's not that I'm adopting a total persona. They're all kind of parts of me. But, you know, it's I want to put on a show. Mm. And I, I love the quotidian, but I mean, we have enough of that. Yeah. Like I, I would rather put on a show. I personally want to go to outer space and to heaven and to hell for an hour and a half. And I hope <laughs> that, you know, everybody else wants to go there too. And I just kind of have to trust that people do. Yeah. Um, You've actually described your on-stage performance as the goal is to either shock or comfort, which sounds like that's where you're living. Like you're either sitting back in that leather chair or you are wearing all leather <laughs> and like can't move. Well, I think it's a combination of both, right? When you go see a show, it's like sometimes, you know, sometimes you're like somebody's mother and you're like, it's okay, everything's gonna be okay, I love you. And then sometimes you're like, no, nah, this, let's this up and like let's get confrontational and like let's let id completely yeah. just ride out into a an acid sunset <laughs> you know yeah, and, and you I have do. to do both i do and know so your job is to go is to go here we are we're safe oh no we're not safe yeah. we're safe we're not safe I love but it. At, but at the end you know hopefully people walk away i mean the, the worst thing to me would be that people would see a show and go yeah it was cool like, oh, that, that was fine. That was nice. <laughs> that was pretty. Yeah. I mean, she has a nice voice. Oh, yeah. she seems nice. She's talented, you know, that one. You know, she's just talented. Like, we're, gonna, we're all going to die. <laughs> Let's have some fun on the way. Let's do it. All right. Right? I want to talk about something that we're, one of your collaborators uh, said. So legendary artist, Talking Heads frontman, David Byrne, said of you in 2013, and you created a full album together and toured together everything. Despite having toured with her for almost a year, I don't think I know her much better, at least not on a personal level. Mystery is not a bad thing for a beautiful, talented young woman or man to embrace, and she does it without seeming to be standoffish or distant. Was your mysteriousness intentional? And do you still try to be mysterious? I do think that David would have a different thing to say now. I think we've... Uh, you dated, right? So I would hope he would seem like he knew you a little ab better. Absolutely. Right, right. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's how I got my start in the music business. Yeah. Ladies, take note. Yeah, that's so funny because that's how I got in this business too. Oh my God. With David Byrne though, which was weird because he's not really in sports. So proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Get it, girlfriend. Yeah. Go after what you want. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everybody see Triangle of Sadness. Anyway, uh, no, I mean, David, at the time when I was on tour with him, I was, I was like shy and really intimidated. So, and also probably clinically depressed. So I kind of was, I was more reserved, you know, I wasn't necessarily going out and, and he's my hero too. So I, I wasn't really sure how to approach him like a person. Right. Um, but since then, I like to think that we 
are friends and I love him dearly. So mystery is not the intention, it's just the occasional result of shyness slash depression. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've never been called mysterious. <laughs> I talk too damn much to be mysterious. Nothing is left to question. Um, so I'd mentioned that latex from the Mass Seduction Tour. You threw yourself into the audience almost every night um, on your 2011 tour. The latex made that a challenge, so you didn't do that as much on Mass Seduction. But I saw in an interview you said it, it was almost painful just to shrug your shoulders while wearing that. So it feels like the athlete in you is still presenting challenges, whether that's crowd surfing or whether that's the requirements of the costumes. So how much do you actually see your touring and your performance as athletic performance? You guys, I mean, not nearly <laughs> as much as you, but I, I train to go on tour. I'm like, it's an athletic pursuit. You know, you the last thing you want to do is be on stage going for it and then like oh sorry guys gotta take a breather to you know <laughs> huff it out you know it's like you're you're in the moment and so whatever energy happens you have to be able your body has to be physically able to rise to that occasion and in many instances up the ante so um for me mass seduction that particular record was a lot about power and um you know, the, the freedoms and the constraints of power, personally, you know, politically, sexually, all these things. So it's like, I felt like I needed to be constrained by my clothing on stage. Mm. I needed it to be as uncomfortable as possible. I needed, I, I mean, my ass was amazing, but um, <laughs> just, it's gone now. But, it, but, but it was, it was really about like a little bit of, suffering and a little bit of right. grit and like almost having to work through a physical challenge just to be on stage and to mm -hmm. sing and so i i don't know again all these things make sense you know when in you... hindsight but at the time <laughs> i was like nope i'm wearing nothing but latex which p.s does not breathe <laughs> Um, we saw your ass, actually. Well, lots of times. But did everyone see the duet with Dua Lipa at the Grammys that was very, like, Robert Palmer with the... Oh, my gosh, that was hot. That was, that was during the latex phase. You remember. Um, so I saw you at Innings Fest out in Arizona a couple months ago, and you ended up being um, sort of the opener right before the Foo Fighters. And it was one of the last shows with Taylor Hawkins. And I know you got to spend some time with the band right before. What was, what was that like for you? And um, how ephemeral does it sometimes feel in an industry where there is a lot of loss or uh, struggle? I mean, I think, I think in life, especially as you go on, there's more and more loss. And there is there all these cliches that people say suddenly make sense when you've experienced a loss, you know, like, oh, they live through you or, mm. um, you know, they're never, their spirit's never gone. And when you're not close to loss, you kind of go, oh yeah, okay. Like, I, yeah, there's a cat hanging on a poster and that's the <laughs> slogan, sure. But, um, but it's, but it's true. And I mean, I, listen, I, I was very fond of Taylor. I didn't know him that well, but, I know that the kind of kinship and brotherhood that those guys had as a band, 
there's not there's nobody you know there's there's no replacing him mm-hmm. right you can make something new but there's no replacing him and he was a he was a great dude again i didn't know him that well i can't uh, i don't want to uh, presume anything too much but man he was in an infectious dude yeah he was great and we got to hang that that time and uh he was a good dude and an incredible performer an yeah. incredible performer i want to ask you because you mentioned that nirvana was one of your influences growing up you already mentioned you made an album with your heroes so no big deal totally stress-free and david byrne but then you front nirvana at their rock and roll hall of fame induction i can't imagine right clap it up for that that's insane I can't imagine that you get nervous that often. I don't want to presume, but that's got to be one where you're like flipping out a little. No, that was, I, I was egregiously nervous. I mean, that was, <laughs> no, I mean, really, and, and to be honest, I mean, when you have the opportunity to, as I'm sure you guys have, you guys are heroes for people, and then you've also met your heroes, right? And so you find yourself in this like actually beautiful full, full circle. Mm. You're like, I, I wouldn't be here playing music if it wasn't for you. And somehow now I get to be part of, you know, your legacy. And it's, it's, uh, I still, and it's been eight years now, but I still don't really have words for it. And I don't really have a place to put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, you have done a lot of those unique performances, a ton of super interesting collaborations. And I wonder when you start a new project with somebody, how much of it is a feeling out for like, how do you do this work versus how do I do it? When do you feel like you defer? When do you feel like you take over? How do you decide that early on in those collaborations? Well, I think like part of being an artist is there are time. there's again, this bizarre yin yang of extreme confidence and also extreme comfortability mm. or discomfort mm-hmm. or somewhere in between all of the above with absolute mystery and so and also i just i mean i'm one of like a gazillion kids so i have <laughs> brothers and sisters and so I think there are times when, you know, I'm I'm relating to people and relating to collaborators in a way that's like, oh yeah, I'll just like, like I w- I'm gonna kiss the ring right now. And other times it's like, no, 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 I think it should be this. But it's really again, you know, about power and knowing how to sort of wield it. And wielding power isn't always about, you know, clubbing someone over the head. Right. It's right. about you know, sleeping your way to the top. Of like, course, like, yeah, we, like did. we did. Yeah. So. <laughs> the feminine wiles. Um, that's hilarious. That's ridiculous. Um, I hope we clip off just that part. Just that part. And I wanted to go viral. So you've done all these incredible things. Again, acting, directing, fashion, everything. What's another challenge or what's in the future that you are creatively inspired by? Um, I mean, I guess I only want to do things that are a challenge that feel like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to wade into waters that are probably too deep and not really know if I can swim and figure that out. Cause I don't think you get better. I mean, again, athletes, you don't get better doing the same routine every mm-hmm. time you got to push it. You got to go past your limit. 
and also, I mean, just an aside, like no one gets better at being an artist by surrounding themselves with people who are like, that was amazing. <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, that's, yeah. uh, so you don't, obviously don't surround yourself with yes men or women. Or, or non-binary non people. Or non-binary. Yeah. Um, and so don't surround yourself with people who are just like, yes, mm -hmm. you know, push it and push it out and, and. And really kind of go to the edges of what you can do and what you think you can do and just jump off the cliff, man. Yeah. How do you know when people are giving you constructive criticism that you should take and they're not giving you the yeses you're looking for and you trust their center and their view of what you're making? And how do you know when you believe deep down that what you're doing is true to you and, and right? I think it's just instinct and instinct that you hone over a lot of years of doing the thing you love and there's certain times when you can hear from someone like mm, I'm not sure about that chorus and you're like no 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 mm -hmm. this is the thing but then also I mean this is a little bit of an aside but sometimes I'll have friends and musician friends who I love like come and listen to things that I'm working on and you can actually feel the energy of when mm -hmm. their attention wanders when and it's musicians i mean is you know yes obviously non-musicians that's helpful too but right you know people whose work you also love when they start to go uh-huh you know mm. then you go ah oh, i lost them i yeah. i lost them and interesting and i f i had a feeling that that's when i would lose them and so i'm gonna rectify it oh that's fascinating well we can't wait to see what you do next i mean this Daddy's Home Tour kind of continues, right? You've got more stuff coming up, or is it wrapped? No, it's kind of so done. So now we wait for a full, another album and everything else. No pressure. <laughs> you just started relaxing. I'm like, all right, let's go. Snap to it. Um, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, yeah. One more thing. This is a place for rants, raves, everything in between. What to watch, what to listen to, what to read. Uh, this one's obvious. Check out St. Vincent's music. Uh, start with my favorite, New York, uh, Los Angeles, Mass Seduction, uh, then work your way through the rest of her tunes. She's just so damn talented. Um, go check out the YouTube of her performing Lithium with Nirvana at their Hall of Fame induction. Go find her hilarious Portlandia episodes. Uh, yeah, just check out St. Vincent. Now that you've heard how funny, hilarious, awesome, smart she is, uh, go check out more of her music and vote. If you are listening to this podcast right when it's released, that means it's election day. If you haven't voted, go vote right now. Your voice is needed. You can always tweet me at Sarah Spain if you got guest suggestions, dilemmas, questions, or more. And you should always go to the iTunes or podcast app, subscribe to, follow, that's what she said with Sarah Spain. Rate it five stars, please. It's super helpful. Give me a nice review and you may end up on the pod. Thanks as always for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said. <laughs>